thank you very much for inviting me on this uh, extremely interesting and intriguing occasion. Um, <coughs> I wasn't quite sure what was meant by social protection, and so I decided to um, interpret it, as Lloyd George himself did, to mean certainly social welfare, as it's conventionally conceived, but also um, uh, uh, um, protection in a rather wider sense, um, which he saw as including development policies that would, um, as, as he believed, um, increase employment and uh, opportunity for working people to engage in small businesses and so on. But um, I'll come back to that in a moment. Um, I think I rather disagree with some of my colleagues about um, the degree of Lloyd George's radicalism, certainly when it comes to thinking about um, social welfare issues. Um, I, I think the, 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 the People's Budget, as it's called, still has um, um, quite a resonance in, um, radi in, in, in the mythology of radical politics, perhaps more so uh, nowadays in the Labour Party than in the Liberal Party. But I think, um, it, it, in a sense, it was part of Lloyd George's political radicalism that he managed to convey the impression that he was being very much more um, avant-garde about certain kinds of social policies than he really was. And um, <coughs> I take um, Lord Morgan's point about uh, he, he didn't get on very well with many of the Treasury officials, but I do think there was one Treasury position which had evolved since the 1890s, um, which he did share, and that was that the... Um, um, the, the, the local taxation problem was fundamentally insoluble and that by far the best way of dealing with it was simply for the Treasury to give more generous subventions to local authorities. And that, I think, um, <coughs> is certainly one of the themes which um, Lloyd George always sort of tacitly falls back on. Um, another way in which I think he was um, rather less radical than is often believed is um, I think there is certainly evidence to suggest that he thought Asquith's um, Old Age Pensions Act had been a mistake even though it was he, Lloyd George who had steered it through Parliament <coughs> and of course um, the old people of England are supposed to have prayed for the salvation of that good Lord George who had uh, given them these wonderful pensions but I I think there is certainly some evidence to suggest that Lloyd George regretted that the pensions had been brought in as they had, um, that they hadn't um, been introduced simply as a kind of um, a poor law reform measure, or, much better, that they hadn't been left until um, plans for contributory national insurance were far more advanced. I think it's very significant that um, almost as soon as old age pensions were paid, um, there was a, a demand in the House of Commons um, that the disqualification of people who had received poor relief in the previous 10 years or who were currently living in workhouses, that this should be removed. Um, 
And, um, in fact, this was something that was supported by unionists and by Labour as much as by the Liberals. And it was, in fact, um, passed through the House of Commons in 1911 and introduced in 1912. And Lloyd George's comments on this, I think, do reveal um, his extreme caution about being over-generous with social welfare funding. Um, he, 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 he privately made it clear that any further extension of old age pensions was certainly not under his regime ever to fall upon the National Exchequer. It was either to come about through um, relaxation of poor law rules, which he thought could be done by, um, um, uh, well, by, by, by certain kinds of local reform, or much better, it was to become about through an extension of national insurance. So I think there's a great deal of caution in um, Lloyd George's social policies, even though, of course, he made, um, he made a great deal of them as a, as, a, as a radical issue. But when you look at them in detail, you find that the figures involved are very small. Um, he greatly admired... Uh, the Bismarckian system, and um, it went, it went, it went, in one of his um, supplementary budget speeches, he, of course, describes the Bismarckian insurance system um, to the House of Commons, and one of the points he makes is that this is a system which is paying out £40 million a year um, to German um, sick and elderly workers, um, of which only three million is coming from public funding, and it's shortly going to be um, increased to 56 million, um, with only five million coming out of pub public funding. So, again, I think there is an extreme um, element of caution um, and of hoping to find ways of improving social reform administration without it actually falling on the national exchequer. Um, now, Lloyd George, of course, didn't um, really... Uh, it, um, he, he, the, 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 the social reform proposals of the new Liberals are not included specifically in the budget. And in order to um, look more carefully at how he um, linked the budget to um, the, the social reform programme of the, of the Liberals, we have to look, I think, um, partly at his parliamentary speeches but also the two books that came out under his um, authorship in 1909 and 1911, one of them entitled The People's Budget and the other The People's Insurance. And again, I think this very um, strong thread of caution um, about public expenditure underlies the rhetoric. On the one hand, um, in The People's Budget, he says this is a, a war budget, it's a war on poverty and squalor and misery. Um, and yet, on the other hand, he says, but never at any time will I have it be thought that I put um, relief in social services before um, the nation's defence. And he makes it quite clear, I think, in the book on the people's budget, um, that the number one item of of national public expenditure is the, um, the four and, of course, soon to be eight dreadnoughts. He quite clearly, even in 1909, anticipates that there will be a, an eight dreadnought programme. Um, 
there are other ways too in which I think Lloyd George's social radicalism um, is open to question. Um, and one of these is um, the, the, the much debated question of um, the poor law and stigma and treatment of the undeserving. Um, now, the, the, there are many books on the poor law which will tell you that it was very harsh and judgmental on the undeserving poor. In fact, it was technically illegal for the poor law ever to refuse um, relief on grounds of moral character. Um, and in fact, um, um, there, there are cases of, of um, late Victorian relieving officers actually being given jail sentences for, 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 for doing precisely this thing. So, and it's one of the great complaints of many of the respectable poor of this period um, <clears throat> that there was no discrimination against the undeserving poor. Lloyd George thought that there should be and that the best way ahead for um, many aspects of social welfare reform that couldn't be brought under social insurance was for the poor law to be liberalised in its treatment of the main body of clients but for extremely harsh um, penal, sometimes imprisonment sentences to be imposed upon those who were, as he put it, feckless and undeserving. So again, I think there is a, a, an element of extreme caution about Lloyd George's radicalism. Now, what does Lloyd George um, actually finance? Um, obviously, there is a close link between the raising of new forms of taxation and um, the fact that um, three major pieces of um, social welfare legislation are closely linked to this budget. The, um, the old age pensions um, provision, um, the unemployment insurance provisions and the introduction of national health insurance which of course included um, a tiny grain of provision of institutional care, um, which eventually develops into national health hospitals and hospital provision. Um, what does Lloyd George provide for these? Well, I think it's very interesting to compare um, expenditure under the services introduced under the Lloyd George budget um, between 1909 and 1911, slightly revised again in 1912, if we compare expenditure um, under that legislation with expenditure under poor law services over the next two or three decades. And uh, one thing that I think is very striking is that um, contrary to what is often believed about um, the, uh, the new liberal social welfare program, poor law expenditure um, often much more liberal by the 1920s and 30s than it had been um, in the Edwardian period. But nevertheless, expenditure under the various poor law services continues to exceed that of the new liberal services um, until 1948, um, when the poor law, of course, was finally abolished. There was no period um, in, in, in that intervening time at which the poor law didn't, and, and its successor institutions, because of, it, of course it's renamed public assistance and then national assistance, um, but there was no period in which expenditure under those poor law services didn't in fact exceed 
those under the, um, the services um, that were directly produced um, as a result of the Lloyd George budget. Um, so I think I would like to put in a word for suggesting that despite the fact that Lloyd George is a great political radical, um, in some ways he was an extremely cautious and orthodox um, Chancellor of the Exchequer. Thank you.